Amen. Well, we are in Leviticus, and we've been there. We're going to be there for the whole summer. So, if you like to take your Bibles, and you need to find Leviticus. It is the third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You'll find the passage for today on page 103. Um, and as we read it, it may not make that much sense. It's okay. We'll go through it, and it will make perfect sense, hopefully, by the end. <laughs> so it's page 103. It's good if you can get something in front of you, um, and then you can just check what I'm saying, hopefully, is right. And if it's not, you can tell me. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, I'm going to read it, and you can follow along. It's quite a long bit of passage, but... We'll do it. If someone's offering a fellowship offering and he offers an animal from the herd, whether male or female, he is to present before the Lord an animal without defect. He is to lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood against the altar on all sides. From the fellowship offering, he is to bring a sacrifice made to the Lord by fire. All the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the covering of the liver, which, which he will remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is on the burning wood as an offering made by fire an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If he offers an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering to the Lord, he is to offer a male or female without defect. If he offers a lamb, he is to present it before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on the head of his offering and slaughter it in front of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood against the altar on all sides. From the fellowship offering, he is to bring a sacrifice made to the Lord by fire. It's fat, the entire fat tail cut off close to the backbone, all the fat that covers the inner parts or connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made to the Lord by fire. If his offering is a goat, he is to present it before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it in front of the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood against the altar on all sides. From what he offers, he is to make this offering to the Lord by fire. All the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire, a pleasing aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Wherever you live, you must not eat any of the fat or any of the blood. I know, you're inspired. <laughs> I love this. I love doing the biscuits. <laughs> right, okay, you can pop that on your knees for a bit, and we'll kind of refer back to it as we go. 
Okay, well, I thought we'd start this morning by thinking about divided families. My family is really tiny, but in reality, it's not. It's huge. My mum has got 56 cousins, um, and she speaks to three of them. Um, And it was one until last year when I made a bit of an attempt to reconcile her to two more. Ooh. (laughs) So our family grew by two. And I don't know about you, maybe that's a similar thing for you. Perhaps you're in a family that's divided or you're more involved. Maybe you can't forgive someone or someone can't forgive you. And when we live in these environments, sometimes people kind of choose to kind of go through the motions, but you can always feel that tension, that there's not true peace in the family. There's kind of unresolved issues that either haven't been spoken about or nobody wants to talk about them, a bit like the elephant in the room. So whenever you have like a celebration, a birthday or Christmas, there isn't really that joy because there's kind of this uncomfortable feeling that there isn't peace in the room. And Jesus told a story about a divided family. In this family, the youngest son decided that he didn't actually want to be part of that family anymore. In fact, he equivalent of wished the father was dead, ran off with his kind of, we could say, trust fund, went off to a city, blew the whole lot. And when he ran out of money, he found himself homeless, friendless, foodless, alone, with that kind of crushing reality of what he'd done and actually what he'd given up. The reality that his family probably wasn't that bad, his father did care, and that a home was a job, people who loved him. But what now? So he comes up with a plan that he's going to return to his father. He's going to beg his forgiveness and offer his service, not as a son. He knows he doesn't deserve that. But as a servant, perhaps his father would have mercy on him. And as the son approaches the father's house, from a distance, his father sees him. You see, from that fateful day that the son had gone, the father had been watching and waiting and praying for that son to return. And so as he sees him, he gathers up his robes around his knees with the neighbours watching and gossiping. He runs, legs sprawling down the road and reaches out for his son who breaks down before him with Father, I've, I've sinned, I'm so... But before he can even get out this carefully re- rehearsed speech, the father is weeping and laughing and calling to the servants, and he says these words. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
So they began to celebrate. Now, why have I told you that? We're, we're in Leviticus, you're saying. What are you doing, Louise? You're in the New Testament. Surely we're in Leviticus. But today's offering is a celebratory offering. It's the last of three that are voluntary. You can choose to give them to God. And this third one is all about feasting and celebrating before God. It's about killing the fattened calf and hosting a righteous party of major celebration. So far, if you've been following Leviticus, we've looked at the burnt offering, chapter 1, where everything is totally consumed. And we see that perfect picture of Jesus as our burnt offering, giving 100% for us and cleansing us 100% of our sins. We saw in the grain offering this kind of idea of um, committing our daily work to God. Um, bringing what was around us, the finest, our best, our most, uh, something that you've spent hours making this perfect, beautiful, fine flower and committing everything about your life to God. And today we come to the fellowship offering or the peace offering. And this can only come as a result of the previous two because you've got to get in first And you've got to know what to do. You've got to make peace with God. You've got to have that forgiveness. And then you've got to have that commitment to him. And then comes peace. A celebration today of peace with God. Okay, now looking at today, if you were here before, you probably... Oh, sorry. um, Noticed the kind of spot the difference that John did last week. And have a bit of a look now, because you're going to see that there's some overlapping features. There's some things that are really the same and some things that are different. And they're important. They don't look that important when we read them. But as we go through them, you'll start to see why these things are important. In both cases, the animal has to be perfect. Only the best is good enough for God. And they use the same burnt altar... Before the entrance to the meetings, you can't go in. You've got to do that first before you go into the tent. There's more blood. (laughs) It's a costly sacrifice. Both of them cost, but you'll notice in this one, there's no poor man substitute. There is no bird offering. This is going to cost a lot of money. But it is voluntary. Not everybody is going to make this offering. Okay, that's important. And remember, it's not a spectator sport. Do you remember in when we looked at chapter one with the burnt offering? You couldn't just nicely hand your animal over to the priest and let them deal with it. You had to be actively involved in the worship. You're the one that has to put your hands on it. You're the one that has to cut its throat. You're the one that has to see the blood dripping out in your place. And again, we see the same here. You have to be fully involved. But there are some differences. Okay. Unlike the burnt offering, not all the animal is burnt. Okay. 
And this leads to an opportunity for feasting and celebrating God's goodness. Now, if you think at this time, killing meat was really rare. People didn't eat meat every day. You only ate the meat if you were very, very rich. You were celebrating a wedding or the visiting of a distant relative or the return of a son. And they're going to, which bit are they going to burn? They're going to burn the fat. Now, we don't like fat very much. We tend to cut it off. We want lean mints in our supermarkets. We like to cut the fat off and say, I don't like that bit. If someone came to you and said, oh, we'd like some kidneys today and maybe a bit of liver on the side with a lump of fat to top it off, not many of us would be up for that. But this is the choicest part. These are the best bits. Mm. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, this is what it says of Abel. Remember, Cain and Abel took an offering to God. This is what it says of Abel. But Abel brought fat portions. That's important, isn't it? From the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering. He took not only the first... But the best bits he offered to God. The fat is all about strength and prosperity and abundance. When Isaac blessed Jacob, this is what he said. He prayed that God would give him the fatness of the earth. Interesting, isn't it? The fatness of the earth. Because this was a measure of how much God had blessed you, how fat your animals were, how juicy your grapes were. This was the best bit of what you had. And when I was looking at this, I I found that they used to breed sheep with really fat tails. (laughs) Ta-da! I love this. Because it said cut off the tail, didn't it? And give it to God with a fat tail. And apparently, shepherds would create a little cart that would hook onto the sheep so they could have an extra big fat tail and they could still get around. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And in the case of our story at the beginning that Jesus told, the father instructed them to bring... Not a calf, but the fattened calf. You know, you can imagine a real porker of a calf now being wheeled out, you know. Because, yeah, it's the best calf. He wants to give the best to his son. And this is all about offering God your best first. And similarly, God wanted the liver and the kidneys. Ooh, <laughs> struggling. <laughs> um, Because this was a bit like us offering God our heart. It was the the kind of seat of emotions, the very being. It was like, um, like when you say, I can feel it in my guts. It's like your innermost being. So effectively, God's saying, you know, I want your guts. I want the best of you. I want, um, you know, what's deep down in you, who you are. I want the very best of what you've got. And in Deuteronomy 12, 4 to 7, I'll read you this bit. It says, this is Deuteronomy 12, verse 7. It said, There in the presence of the Lord your God and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you've put 
to your hand, your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. God wanted them to not only be blessed by him, but then to celebrate in front of him. And this offering is all about celebrating how good God has been to you, giving back your best and your heart and your soul and your guts, your emotions, everything. Look at verse five, this is the last little bit. It says, Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering. That is the burning wood as an offering made by fire and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Now the peace offering, it's not an atonement offering. It's part of enabling God's people to celebrate God's goodness. But you can only do it in conjunction with the burnt offering. You can't celebrate, be in that place in God's presence, worshipping and celebrating with your community unless you've first been invited in. And you've got to do that through the burnt offering. Do you remember you had to put your hands on the head of the animal to slaughter it in your place to allow you to go into God's presence? Without this, you cannot draw near and you can't enjoy the benefits. Now, an animal has been given over for your sins. That's the burnt offering and you're made holy. And you've dedicated your life to him. That's the grain offering. And now there's true peace and you can rejoice in all that you have and all that God has given you. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. This is what it says about Jesus as our sacrifice. Remember first week one, we looked at Jesus as the burnt offering. It says this. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Then we go on to Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through this faith, believing in Jesus' death was enough for us. We have peace with God. Our peace has come through the offering of Jesus, through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. We've been able to go in. Remember the whole title, you are invited. We have access by faith into God's grace. We can go in into a place we simply don't deserve to go. And then it says, which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're going to rejoice there now because we've gone in. And the only reason The only response to this peace and reconciliation is to rejoice, to kill the fattened calf, to get the barbecue going, because now we're going to really go for it. And the worshippers would invite their friends and their family and the community. If you read on in chapter 7, they got some bread going, so there's, you know, great, you know, beef butties going or whatever, everyone's got a big sandwich in their mouth, and God really wanted it all to be eaten on that day. You could leave a little bit for the next day, but it's got to be in that day. And there are a number of reasons this could have been. You know, first of all, I think of fridges, you know, mm, this meat's really not going to last. But they could have salted it. You know, you could have kept it for your family, would have fed you for about three months maybe. But no. I reckon it's more like when the Israelites were in the desert and they needed that daily dependence on God. 
You know, you had to get your manna, you had to collect what was for that day, and then after that it had gone off, because you needed that dependence that God is going to keep providing for you. And because you've got so much, you've got to throw this massive party now. You've got to really go for it. You're going to need a lot of guests. You've got a big, fat cow. You've got to feed it to people. And what has taken place in the sanctuary, in this holy place, now spreads out into the community. You can see how that works, can't you? What takes place in the sanctuary now spreads out as a blessing to the whole community. This kind of awareness of God's goodness and his blessing as they give it to people all around. Have another butty here, have a butty here, have a bit of ketchup on it. (laughs) I remember... This made me think, really, of when I lived with Rachel. And we used to have a system where we would plug in the microwave and unplug the freezer. And then we would unplug the microwave and plug the freezer back in. But of course, you know what happened. We forgot to plug back in the freezer. So the whole thing has defrosted. And we've now got this mountain of fish Because, you know, Rachel's vegetarian, I don't really eat much meat. So the whole fridge is full of fish and prawns and everything you can think of. So now what are we going to do? Well, we're going to make fish pie. So we start to make these fish pies. It was totally crazy. We ended up fish pie after fish pie after fish pie. And we're like texted all our friends, come for dinner, come for dinner. And then one after another, we got this, you know, result. Oh, no, I've eaten. Sorry, I can't come. Oh, I'm a bit busy today. I can't come. Oh, I did this. And so forth. And a few people came. But then we're still left with these massive fish pies. So then we go across the road and Nigel and Trish get a fish pie. And then we go up the road and Dave and Denise get a fish pie. And everyone starts, the whole community is being given fish pies. And it made me think of this, you know, we were forced to bless our community. This is a meal of love and devotion, of a worshipping community in the presence of God. And God is the honoured guest, but he's also the host because he has ultimately provided everything there. Luke gives us a picture of the early church doing a similar thing. It talks about how they met together daily and they shared uh, meals together and they invited the community to come in and join them and be a part of what was going on. Um, They cared for the community. They had everything in common. They made sure that they blessed each other. And we're a community, aren't we, that gather around God. And God is our host and he's our guest um, and he's the honoured one. And in a moment, we're going to share this, the peace meal that Jesus gave us. You know, we've got peace through Jesus with God. Um, And we're here to acknowledge that, aren't we? Today, we're going to take this bread and this wine. And we know that between us, we've been blessed so much by God. Um, You know, are we blessing the poor? Well, we've got a breakfast club. Do we do other things? What can we do? We're doing stuff personally. We've got direct debits to to charities and stuff. How are we we helping the fatherless, the alien, the person that needs? How are we giving them fish pies? Because, you know, that's what we should be doing. You know, we're blessing people. Not because even they need it, but because God wants to bless people. You know, when we're celebrating together, is it just songs? Is that what celebration is? Let's look at Hebrews 13, which John looked at last week. 
It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for such sacrifices God is pleased. And we've got this kind of idea of this upward worship, but also this outward worship going on. You know, we're worshipping God in song and word, but we're also blessing, we're doing good to others. That kind of fellowship offering to God. And, you know... We all, at times, need to take stock, don't we, to stop and consider, you know, how are we using our money and our time and our energy and possessions? You know, in God's blessing, how is he getting the best that we have? How does he get our guts and the fat portion? You know, what does that look like for us, personally, as a community? How do we give God our absolute best? You know, are we orientating our lives around saying, yeah, you get this first, God, and I get what's left over? If you remember um, Eli's sons, um, Eli was um, a prophet and a priest in the Old Testament, and his sons kind of got the job after him. But they, they, they were awful. They wouldn't wait for God to get the best bit. They would get their fork and get out the meat before even the fat had gone. They, they didn't even want it on the altar. So, no, I want my chunk before you put it on there. Thank you very much. I'll take that. You know, I wonder how often God gets our leftovers instead of the first bit. You know, I, I know for me that's it's probably areas in my life that that is the case. And going back to our story at the beginning that Jesus told, this picture of God as the father and us as the rebellious son where we thought freedom was about going away from God, about running away from him, about shutting him out of our life. But finding that when God's not there, then it's just a bit empty. It's like, well, what, what is life for? There doesn't seem to be any meaning here. And actually, without God, I'm not doing so well. And God's offered this amazing way back, hasn't he? This grace giving us what we don't deserve. He says, come, come, you are invited. And when we're coming to him and we're humble and we're stumbling over our words and when we're ready to come into his presence and we acknowledge what a mess we've made, we find that before we can even get our words out, God says, kill the fattened calf. My son was dead, but now he is alive. And the picture that God used of the kingdom of God all the time was celebratory, kind of like party invites, wasn't it? You have that picture of him going and inviting people and them all saying no for various reasons, which kind of happens with our fish pies. But God invites everyone. Nobody is excluded. Everyone is invited in. Jesus' blood, his perfection, his obedience, his willingness to completely surrender himself in our place. And his forgiveness and his righteousness and his joy can be ours today. Jesus just says, come, come, you are invited. Don't stay away, come back to me. And in the same way as that man did, he picks 
lifts up his robes and he runs to you and he throws his arms around you and he says, kill the fattened calf. Let's pray together. I'm going I'm to pray. Um, and if you haven't had a chance yet to, to feel that, to know that, if you've, if you've been walking away and you're not sure if you're allowed back, God says, come. You know, he's ready. Come to me now. Let's pray. Father, I admit that at times I've gone my own way. I've walked away from you and I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And I'm sorry. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this for me, for showing me how much you love me. I want to follow you from this day forward, to give you my best, my all. Please help me to live the way you want me to. Amen. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, there's a little booklet called Why Jesus. You find them at the back on the information table. If you'd like to know more about Christianity, there's a course starting. It's seven weeks. You get free food. It's brilliant. It will give you just the basics of why did Jesus come. Um, Maybe you're not yet in that place where you're willing to give your life to Jesus or you've just given it this second or you've been a follower for a while but you're thinking... Well, I really like to understand Jesus a bit more, and this is the course for you. I'll be more than happy to chat with you about it afterwards. You can get one off me, or again, there's some on the back table.